Hello, and welcome to the Calvary Road Baptist Church Podcast. I'm Pastor Paul Shirley, and I'd like to thank you for taking the time to listen. Each week, we will be releasing sermons and studies delivered directly from the pulpit at our church. Our goal with this podcast from Calvary Road Baptist Church is to make the gospel and sound biblical preaching more available to a wider audience. We hope that these sermons will be a blessing and an encouragement to you each week. As the scripture reads in Psalm 119 and verse 116, Uphold me according unto thy word, that I may live, and let me not be ashamed of my hope. Now, let's hear from God's word. That's a good song. Truth is, uh, he paid all of it. And we think about that almost like it's just old hat, you know, honestly. Any of us who've been in, Christ- in church for a very long time, if you've been saved for any time at all, uh, most, a lot of the songs we sing, you've sang them a hundred times each. Uh, you know them by heart, most of them. Maybe not all of them, but most of them. You don't even have to look at the words. You might stumble over one, look up, go, oh yeah, and now you've got it, and you could sing the whole thing without, without lyrics this morning if you needed to. Uh, but the truth is, we are abundantly blessed. God has been so very good to us. He, he's been insanely good to us. He's been better to us than any of us deserve. Uh, and, and, you know, it's easy. Let me say it like this. It is easy to focus on the negative. Can we all agree? I, I mean, for me, at least for me, maybe I'm, maybe I'm the only one who's that way, but sometimes it's easy for me to go, man, this, this, this is bothering me, that's bothering me. I wish this was better. I wish this was different, Right? Uh, but the truth is, if we ever just really pause and consider how good God's been to us, well then, my lips shall still repeat, Jesus paid it all, all to Him I owe. Amen? I owe my whole life to Him. That's what that means. I, I owe everything I have to Him, and one thing I owe to Him especially is praise for how good He's been. He's been awfully good to us, and uh, I just wanted to say that because He's been awfully good to me. Amen. I, I, could, I could stand here this morning and I could just talk about how good God's been in my life. You know, how, the many blessings, how that I've, I've never known this pain, I've never known that suffering, or uh, God has blessed me with these children and this wife and this church, or people who, who love us and, and we get to be with you all, and, and it's just a blessing to serve the Lord and just how good God has been. Amen. We could all do that. In fact, maybe you should sometime. Just talk about how good God has been to you. It, it really, when things are bad, that's especially a good time to talk about how good God's been. Amen? Amen. God has been awfully good. And right now I know uh, there's many who are going through troubles and trials, uh, ones that I'm not going through, that I can't even relate to. Amen. Some of you here this morning going through difficulty with loved ones who are sick or, or dealing with difficulties in your own body and sicknesses. And Miss Doris stuck at home and Brother Joe French and, and, and the loss he just went through and all these things. And, and these are just the things that we know of. And, and uh, Brother Mike, what's his last name? With, and what is it? Mink. I can't ever remember that name, Mink. And in, in that coma or whatever they're calling it now and what they're going through. And yet, through all of that, God is still good. Amen. What a good God. That in all of that, we can still have joy. That in all that, we can still have peace. Amen. How is that possible? Because God's good. Why, why do we know good from bad and bad from good? And, and why do we know joy? Because God is good. Because we have a God who loves us and He is invested in us. In fact, He has invested everything in us. Isn't that crazy? Because I don't think that's a very good return on His investment that He's been getting on us. And yet, Jesus paid it all, all of it for us. What a blessing it is to know that you're saved this morning. Isaiah chapter 55, we're going to go back into this passage again this morning. I considered moving on, but I really felt like uh, the Lord wanted us to go back here and at least finish out these first three verses. And We'll read these first five verses together and then get into the message this morning. I really, to be honest with you, much of this passage... Uh, there's a lot that's being said here, and I know we've already covered a lot of it, but much of this passage is specifically the Lord Himself reaching out to sinners. That's what it is. He is calling to those 
who are thirsty, who have not had the drink of living water. He is calling to those who are hungry, who are not satisfied with the world, who are spending all that they have on the things of this world, who are putting all of their effort into finding satisfaction in this world. These are sinners. These are people who need a Savior. Amen. Now obviously these things apply to us as well, even if we have been saved. But as I, I go through this, I see over and over again, it is the Lord calling out to those who have not answered and come to Him. And this morning as I look around, I know that most of you are saved. I mean, most of the people here this morning are Christians. And so as I study, I'm thinking this morning, I'm like, Lord, you know, is this really for them? But I'm just going to tell you, God is in control. And this is His Word. And as we're going to see here in a minute in the passage, really the only thing that matters is what He says. In fact, the number one thing, really the, the thing that we are commanded to preach is the gospel. And that's really what this is in Isaiah chapter 55. It is a form of the gospel. Isaiah 55, verse number 1. Ho, everyone that thirsteth, come to the waters. He that hath no money, come ye, buy and eat. Yea, come and buy wine and milk without money and without price. Wherefore do you spend money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which satisfieth not? Hearken diligently unto me, and eat ye that which is good. And let your soul delight itself in fatness. Incline your ear and come unto me. Hear, and your soul shall live. And I will make an everlasting covenant with you, even the sure mercies of David. Behold, I have given him for a witness to the people, a leader and commander to the people. Behold, thou shalt call a nation that thou knowest not, and nations that knew not thee shall run unto thee because of the Lord thy God, and for the Holy One of Israel, for He hath glorified thee. Let's pray. Father, Lord, we thank You for another opportunity to be here in Your house. God, we thank You, Lord, for saving us. Lord, those this morning who are here under the sound of my voice, God, who have come, and they have knelt, and they have bowed their heart before You, and they have received the gift of salvation. Lord, thank You, God, for saving them. Thank you for saving me. God, I pray this morning, if you would, that you would anoint your word today. God, I know the Bible says that it will not return unto you void. And that is my prayer this morning, God, that through me you might deliver a part of your word today to our hearts, that we might receive it. God, I pray, help us not to be distracted by anything going on outside these four walls right now. God, help us not to let our minds to wander. Lord, help us, God, to see what you're trying to say today to us. Speak to each heart. Draw us, Lord. Teach us. We need you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Here in these verses, we've looked there in verse number 1, how that the Lord cried out there when He said, Ho to he who th- to everyone that thirsteth. And he, that was a cry of gaining their attention. He said He was crying out to those who were in need of a Savior, those who thirsteth, and those who were poor and threadbare and had nothing. He said, Come and buy uh, milk and and wine without money and without price. Then in verse number 2, we looked at the first part of that verse last Sunday there, at that, uh, that questioning of the Lord. How did He begin to question their spending? He said, why is it that you're spending all your money on that which is not bread? Amen. It's that which does not fill you. That which will not sate your hunger. That which will not give you what you need. Amen. Why are you expending all of your labor, your work, on that which will not satisfy? He said, And he's calling out to those people who are away from God, who do not know the Lord. They have never had a drink of living water. They have never experienced that feeling of that that thing that can only be given, that can only be uh, gained without money. That thing that we can only buy without money, and that is the gift of salvation. He's speaking to those who are spending all their wealth on the world and that which is not bread and expending all their work and all their labor on those things which will not satisfy. And we talked about this before, how that each man is trying to fill that void within his own soul. That emptiness inside man. Say, so, well, is that, real? is that really a thing? Yes. That's why the world is the way it is today. That's why the suicide rate is as high as it is. That's why drug abuse is so prominent in our world, in our country. That's why alcoholism is such 
a, uh, that, that's why the sale of alcohol is such a lucrative business. Because it numbs the cry out for fulfillment. Man, let me, let me put it to you like this. How often do you see people anymore just sitting in a quiet place? Even us, I mean, you know, with this thing on our hip, or in our pocket that's constantly crying out to us, the world has even designed it to such a way that it's never quiet. Have y'all noticed the gas pumps have TVs in them now? You can't even stand there and pump your gas for what, three minutes? Without the world trying to cry out and get your attention. I stopped there at a gas station the other day, was pumping the gas, and it was trying to advertise some kind of podcast about some kind of, like, uh, it was some sort of like Eastern religion health ritual thing. You know what I'm saying? And I'm just trying to pump my gas. The world is so eat up that they cannot be still, they cannot be quiet, because if they do, they will feel it. They'll feel the lack that's in their lives. They try to fill it with fun and with friends and, and, and with the, the lusts of their flesh. Amen. They fill it with self and they fill it with, with sinfulness and wickedness across the world. And it's all just trying to just, it's like getting that bite that you need when you're hungry. They're looking for that satisfaction. But they're not finding it. Because here's the truth. There is nothing in this world that can satisfy. Everything that you get in this world, man, it feels like, man, that was exactly what I needed. That was the perfect thing. Just wait, tomorrow it'll be back. And you'll need something else. And the next day it'll be back. And you'll need something else. Because that's the way that the world is designed. And the Lord is looking down at the world and He said, I'm crying out to those who are thirsty for a drink of living water. I'm crying out to those who are hungry and don't have any way of paying for that which they need. I'm crying out to those and I'm questioning those who are spending all they have on what is not bread and who are putting all their work into finding that thing that just, at the end of the day, will not satisfy. Men and women thinking, if I could ever just have this amount of money in the bank, I could rest easy. And yet... They never do. Amen. If I could just have that house, or that car, or that thing, or that woman, or that man, or that friend, or that game, or that whatever it may be that this world has to give, if I could just get that, man, I would finally be happy. Oh, you'd have pleasure for a season. Amen. And not all those things are sinful. But none of those things will satisfy you. None of them. The Lord is calling this out. He's crying it out. And in verse number 2, after He goes down and He talks about those who are spending all they have and spending all their work and their time and their labor trying to find that which satisfies, and yet it's being wasted on that which satisfieth not. We have a charge from the Lord in the second part of verse number 2 where He says this, Hearken diligently unto Me. Eat ye that which is good. Let your soul delight itself in fatness. We have first a charge to be attentive. The Lord says this, Hearken diligently unto me. This is the charge of the Lord. He said, Hearken diligently unto me. This is His charge to be attentive. That word, hearken diligently. When He spoke there in verse number 1, He said, Ho, everyone that thirsteth. That first word, that, 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 that Hebrew word, hoy, we said, it means look up here, listen. That is to get your attention. But in verse number 2, when He says, Hearken diligently. That is his cry, his charge to keep your attention. You understand? You might be walking down the street and you hear someone cry out and you'll look over and you'll see what's going on. But you may say, oh, well, that doesn't interest me. And you'll look on and go away. Now, it got your attention, but then it lost it. Some of y'all, that's how it is on Sunday morning. I get up here, I read, and then I'll yell out one good time. And you'll look at me, but in a couple of minutes, you'll start to drift, Right? Because we have a short attention span. We just do. I'm the same way. I'm so ADD in my brain that if I'm in church, if I'm not sitting as close as I can to the front, I have trouble paying attention. I don't sit in the front. I sat in the front for years and years and years since I was a teenager. I didn't start doing that because I thought, man, uh, I'm holy and I didn't sit in the front. No, I did it because I'm a spaz. And every time somebody's looking at their purse or clipping their fingernails or whatever, I'm like, what are they doing? I'm like a squirrel. 
You know what I mean? And so I, 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 to keep my attention, I have to make myself. That's why I take notes. So I can make sure I'm tracking it. So I can keep my brain there. Because I'm trying to diligently hearken. And that's what we've got to do. And the Lord is saying this. I don't just want you to look up here, but I want you to look up here and I want you to pay attention. I want you to be attentive. To what? Unto who? He said, hearken diligently unto me. Who are we supposed to be listening to? <clears throat> We're supposed to listen to the Lord. That word, hearken diligently, it's to hear as well as to respond to what is heard. It is to hear intelligently and attentively. It is a careful hearing of someone or something, as well as responding appropriately in obedience or action. Here's the truth. Sometimes people talk, but we don't listen. You, you men here who are married, your wife ever told you something and asked you a question, you had to go, uh, I'm sorry. What, 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 what was the question? <laughs> Amen. Let's be honest. Wives, you've never had to do that, have you? Of course not. Never, ever. I mean, sometimes people are talking, and you're, you're trying to listen. You're looking, you're looking, but then suddenly, you know, a butterfly flies by or whatever. It's like, oh, that's what it's like when I'm trying to talk to my son. Amen. He's only two, and I'll give him the credit for that, but I'll say, Link, look at me. He'll look at me, and I'll start talking. He'll go. He will, and he's still got the same facial expression, but he'll go, I'm like, son, what's wrong with you? Look at me. That's exactly how God feels looking at us. He said, hello, and we'll look up, and he'll start talking, and we'll just be like, when's lunch, right? Or your phone buzzes. I'll be praying, my phone will buzz. I, I, when I want to really do some praying, I want to get with, along with God, i got to put things on do not disturb or get them away from me. Because if I don't, I mean, I'll, I'll get a text. I'll be sitting there studying. This morning I was studying. I'm, I'm, I'm looking over the, the, the verses again. I'm just trying to make sure I've got everything the Lord wants me to say in here. And suddenly I thought, oh man, there's this thing I needed to do. And I found myself opening a tab on the computer and going over to this site where I need to do it's something with church business. But I'm doing this and I'm thinking, what's not supposed to be studying my outline? I mean, before I know it, I'm just, I'm gone. And here's the Lord, he said this, hearken diligently unto me. That means stop what you're doing, stop listening to anyone else or looking at anyone else, and be attentive to what I'm trying to say. Because I've got something to say to you. And can I tell you something? When the Lord has something to say, it's always important. What God has to say to you is more important than any text message, it's more important than any phone call. It's more important than anything on the radio, on the TV, or what's going on inside that noggin. What God has to say is the most important thing that's being said. Amen. He speaks to us through direction. Sometimes the voice of the Lord speaks in our hearts through the Holy Spirit. Has He ever done that to you? Has He ever spoken to your heart with a convicting word? Has He ever spoken to your heart with a guiding hand? Has He ever said, hey, you should text this person or you should call that person, see how they're doing. Has he ever said, hey, go to this person, tell them you're praying for them? Has he ever said, go pray for this person? Has he ever said, go read your Bible? Amen. Has he ever said, go give a gospel tract to someone? Has he ever guided you and spoke to you when he's speaking? Be attentive. Listen. Has he ever spoke to you convictingly when you're about to do something or say something you ought not do or say? Listen. Be attentive. He's trying to tell you. Don't do that. Keep talking about Link. But yesterday, he was climbing up on something. He kept climbing up on it. I'm like, buddy, if you don't stop climbing up on that, you're going to hurt yourself. And he kept jumping off of the couch onto the floor. I'm like, dude, you're going to get hurt. That's the Lord. Hello, you're about to hurt yourself. And we just keep, uh, you know, we're, we're looking at him, but then our head's just kind of veering off. You know, well, can you still see me? And then we jump off the couch, figuratively, and then we hurt ourselves. And he goes, I was trying to tell you. Does he ever do that to you? Does he ever speak that to you? Does he ever come to you after you've jumped off the couch and hurt yourself and done that stupid thing you shouldn't have done and said, shouldn't have done that? Has he ever done that? When he's talking, it's important. You need to listen. When the Holy Ghost speaks to your heart, you need to listen. When he is directing you, 
through conviction, when He's directing you, and then when He speaks love and joy and peace to your heart, amen, you need to receive it. Don't let anything in the world steal away from you the joy of the Lord. Amen. When we sing songs like, Jesus paid it all, take a minute and say, hey Lord, thank you for paying it all for me. And you might just find out that He's speaking joy to your heart, but you're so busy listening to anything else that you're not even getting it. Amen. When He speaks, it's important. He speaks through direction. Jesus said in John 10, 27, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. That follow me part, that's that listening, that's that harking diligently. He said, they hear my voice and they know me. I know them. But then, they don't just hear my voice, but they follow me. You hear that? You see it? He speaks through direction. He speaks through declaration. Romans 10, 14, How then shall they call on Him whom they have not heard? And how shall they believe on Him of whom they have... Uh, excuse me. How shall they believe in Him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? God, in my life personally, has spoken to me directly way more through preaching than he has basically anything else. Why? Because preaching is specifically meant to get your attention and to declare something to you. So, well, I think that, I don't really think that. Well, okay, but the Bible, if you read it, you'll find in both the Old Testament and the New Testament, throughout the Bible, when God had a word, he sent it through a man. Amen. He sent it through the prophets. He sent it through the priests. And then in the New Testament, he sent it through the apostles and the preachers and the teachers. That's what he did. And God, when he's trying to get your attention, he will send someone to declare it to you. Amen. And when we come in here on Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night, and when we go to Sunday school, we go in there, it's because of this. I believe God has something he wants to tell me. And I want to hear it. Right? Now, I just told you God will speak to your heart through the Holy Spirit. He does. He will. But He'll also speak to you through preaching, through the declaration of the Word of God. And speaking of the Word of God, He speaks through His dictation. That is His inspired words spoken into the hearts by God and written down by men. You know what that is? That's this right here. And I, I, I saved this one for last because really we're saving the best for last. There are some who would put more stock and what they think the Lord told their heart through a movement of the Holy Spirit than what thus saith the Word of God. But I declare unto you that Jesus said the Holy Ghost will never speak anything unless the Son of God tells Him to speak it. And the Son of God, you know who that is? That's the Word of God. Amen. This is God on paper. If this is not the foundation of everything we teach, preach, and believe, then we have no foundation. No matter how you felt, when you heard it, feelings are no foundation. How often do your feelings change? Amen. Pizza can change my feelings. Amen. It's amazing how quickly my mood can change. And suddenly I go from the top to the bottom. Or from the bottom to the top. I can't trust in what I feel. I can't base my whole life on that. In fact, when the Holy Ghost comes to me and he begins to deal with my heart about something... If what I'm thinking in my mind is, if, if I think I'm hearing something from God, but it is contrary to what the Bible says. The Bible said, try the spirits. By the way, I don't mean give them a test run. It means put them on trial. Because there are other spirits. And there are, the Bible calls them seducing spirits. You know what a seducing spirit is? Someone who's trying to lie to you to get you to do what they want. Not every wind of doctrine is like the mighty rushing wind on the day of Pentecost. Not every movement of a spiritual power is the Holy Ghost. So how do you know? Well, it's simple. It's what thus saith the Word of God. It, I, I was expecting a little stronger of an amen right there. So I'll give you another chance here in a second. Psalm chapter 12 and verse number 6 says this, The words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. Amen. That verse very simply says this, The Bible will never go away. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but thy word shall not pass away. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 20, Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake, 
as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. That is the inspired leadership of God to lead those prophets and those men and then those apostles to write down His inspired Word. This is the foundation of God speaking. So when God says, hearken diligently unto me, we know this. Sometimes that means He's leading you and you need to do as He's leading you. Sometimes it means the preacher is standing up and preaching and you need to answer what the Word of God is saying to you through the preacher. But in every case, the speaking of God comes by the Word of God. It is never contrary to the Word of God. Anything that ever is, is not of God. Well, what about this doctrine at this church? Or what about this thing going on over here? What that thing going over? Well, here's a simple question. Does it hold water in God's Word? If it doesn't, it's not God. Amen. We need to hearken diligently. Let me hurry. He's speaking about the charge to be attentive. Then we see the charge to be selective. He said this, Hearken diligently unto me, and eat ye that which is good. We're given another distinction specifically here in that word good. You'll see before, there's a, there's a lot of dichotomies in this passage. He talks about those that are thirsty, and he talks about the waters, he talks about the, the, those that have money, and then he talks about that have no money. He talks about something that can be bought, but then he says it's bought without money. It's, it's two things. It's, it's, it's good and bad, and good and bad. He said that which is not bread, and then of course the opposite is that which is bread. That which satisfieth not, and of course that which satisfieth, right? And then we have another one right here where he says this, speaking of being selective. He says, eat that which is good. Last night, we were hungry. We got Burger King. It wasn't good. Amen. When I was eating it, I thought, well, this is okay. And about an hour later, when the indigestion set in, I thought, that was not good. Amen. Those onion rings. I like Burger King's onion rings. I know they're like the fakest onion rings on earth. But I like them, and it's because they give you that zesty sauce. That zesty sauce is like the king of sauces. I love it. I mean, I just love it. You know, my body, however, is telling me that wasn't good. And the Lord is saying, eat that which is good. Now, here is, here's, here is something that is implied. It is implied in that statement, you should not eat that which is bad, right? I mean, he's been telling them, don't, don't buy that which isn't bread. Don't work for that which doesn't satisfy. Eat that which is good. So there is an implication that we ought not eat that which is bad. Okay, so Burger King and the onion rings or whatever, right? But that's not the, the prime message of the verse. I mean, it's still true, 2 Corinthians 6, 17, Wherefore come out from among them, be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. So we know that God is in favor of staying away from that which is evil. We could preach a whole message on that. But that's not what the verse is saying. The verse is not saying, don't eat that which is evil. It says, eat that which is good. You need to be selective and partaking in good things. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me, do, and the God of peace shall be with you. Paul there in Philippians chapter 4 is telling them, do good things, partake in good things, in truth and honesty and just things and pure things and lovely things. Here's the truth. This world is full of filthy, impure things. It is full of lies and hatred. Amen. It's full of wickedness. And we can gorge ourselves on those things. And here's a fact. We live in this world. Sometimes you can't control what commercial pops up on the TV. And it all determines how quick you are with the remote or, or however you're going to answer that, right? But it's one thing when you're around those things and they're, they're affecting you. And by the way, they affect us. What we see and what we hear, it affects us. It goes in through the eye gate and the ear gate, and it goes into the heart. It does affect us. It affects the way we think. It affects the things we say. Amen. It affects the way we act. It does. It does affect us. But are you consuming and partaking in things that are good? Are you? 
Now, there are some things I would say are neither good nor bad, right? Just neutral. Watching this cartoon or watching this show or whatever, it may not be bad. But it's not necessarily good either. It just is, right? Playing, contrary to some people's belief, hunting, fishing, it just is. It's not necessarily good. You know, I mean, you're getting, if you're taking the meat, good for your family, that's, there's good in there, right? There's good in that. And you're getting some leisure, and that's, that's a good thing for you. But it's not like on the grand scale of heaven and hell, good or evil, right? Watching this or, or doing this or playing this. Football, basketball, whatever sport you might enjoy. It's not inherently good or evil necessarily, it just is. But there are some things that are wicked and evil. And we're around them, and we consume them. Amen. Things we hear, things we listen to, things we see. We, we're just around those things. Here's the question. How many good things are we consuming? How much time are we spending in God's Word? Amen. How much time do we spend reading the Word of God? How much time, how much time are we spending consuming things that are pure? Young people, you go to school, friends at school, may or may not go to church. They may talk a certain way. They may act a certain way. They may dress a certain way. It may be whatever. You're around those things. If you're in public school, you can't control what you're around. Even if you're not in public school, sometimes you go to Christian school. There's things, go, it's everywhere. We're, we live in a world that is corrupted, right? But young people, listen to me. If all you ever do is spend your time around that stuff and you're never taking in pure things, you're not eating right. You're not eating right. How can it be surprising when someone surrounds themselves with things that are evil all the time and then before you know it, they begin to slip into sin. Why? Because they're not eating right. We're supposed to be selective in what we're taking into ourselves. That means that we are spending time eating that which is good. The Word of God. Man, it should not live by bread alone, but every word which proceeds out of the mouth of God. Right? Godly music. Godly things. We're, we're supposed to give ourselves a healthy diet of good, pure, true, holy, honest, virtuous Amen. And if we're not, well, then it's no wonder when we begin to go out into the wicked things. Here's what the Lord said. And again, he's, he's calling out to sinners throughout. He's crying out to them constantly. But here in the second part of verse number two, he says, hey, listen to me. You need to get something in you that's good. And we see a charge to be attentive, a charge to be selective, a charge to be acceptive. He said this, let your soul delight itself in fatness. Well, that's an interesting thing to say, isn't it? Because, I mean, we, we associate fatness as a negative thing. But in that day, it wasn't. In this instance, that word fatness, it refers to wealth. Because in that day, the only people who were fatter were those who were wealthier, right? They didn't have Big Macs. You know what I mean? Back then, the, the, fa the fatness was the richest and the best there was. And in fact, this word here, that is translated fatness is also translated to refer to the fatness in the sacrifice of the burnt sacrifice specifically. It's talking about the fatness of the house of God. Psalm chapter uh, 36, verse number 8 says this, They shall be abundantly satisfied with the fatness of thy house. And that's talking about that fatness of the, of the sacrifice, of that holy thing. That holy thing is something set aside and perfect and what was supposed to be without blemish for God. And that fatness of God, it is His wealth of His house. Psalm 63 and verse 5, My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness. My mouth shall praise thee with joyful lips. But not only that, but we know, as I've told you previously, that this passage is a messianic passage. It's talking about the Lord Jesus and Him coming in the future for them and in the past for us that He is the answer to those who are thirsty, those who are hungry, and those who are looking for the fatness of God, the riches and the wealth of God. Well, didn't we just get through studying all that in Ephesians chapter 1? That He is our wealth. Our wealth is in Christ. Colossians chapter 1 verse 27 said it like this, To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. He said this, Let your soul delight itself in fatness. My soul. It's one thing to take a bite of a delicious steak and say, Man, that is delicious. 
Amen. I enjoy that. And when you're really hungry, man, that really hits the spot. But you know where that delight is coming from? Your body. Your body. Maybe your brain's involved in that, which is a part of your body. So we'll throw the mind in there. But the delight of a soul is a deeper thing. It is a more substantial thing. Because the delight of the flesh passes like that. Here in a minute, the steak will be gone and the delight will have passed. And you'll say, man, that was delicious and I'm full. And in, you know, a different amount of time, depending on the person, you'll be ready for something else. But the delight of a soul can only be found in the fatness of God. And that delight can only be found in Christ. It cannot be found in your good living. It cannot be found in the blessings of your family. It cannot be found in the blessings of you. Those are all good things. But the true delight of a soul can only be found in the fatness of the sacrifice. And that is the Son of God. He is the riches of God, the riches of glory made known unto us, which is Christ in you. That means this. The only delight of a soul comes by having Christ in you. Now let's get real for a second. Because we're going to talk about the soul again in verse number 3 and we'll be done. Verse number 3 said this, Incline your ear and come unto me. Hear and your soul shall live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you even the sure mercies of David. It's similar into the parallel passage we read. It's not necessarily a parallel passage but there are parallels between them in Revelation chapter number 3. In verse number 20, where Jesus said this, Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and if any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. It is a very similar message to that in Isaiah chapter 55 and verse number 3. Listen, come to me, and you can have my blessings. Jesus, open the door and let me come into you, and we will sup together, and you can have my blessings. Here's what he said. This is the call of the Lord. The call of the Lord in Revelation 3 is him standing at the door and knocking. Here in Isaiah, he is actually calling out to them. Oh, hear me. Listen to me. Hear me. Won't you hear me? He says this. First, in the call of the Lord, it's a call for intimacy. He said, incline your ear and come unto me. He wants to be close to you. Can you believe that? Can you believe it? The God of all heaven wants to be close to you. I have many times throughout my life, as an adult, as a married man, looked at my wife and said, what did you see in me? Right? You ever look back at your, amen, you ever look back at your wedding pictures? When, when John passed away last year, I went back looking through some pictures, getting pictures of stuff, and, and stumbled into our old wedding album and just started looking through all these old pictures. Man, I look like such a goob. I mean, I've got a nice tux on, you know, just about as good as I could possibly have looked with the baby face, no beard. I'm never going back. And I thought, good Lord, look at this beautiful woman and this dude who looks like he rolled out the back of a comic book shop at midnight. I mean, no, I, mean I look like the nerdiest dude who ever lived. I've got like, you know, my second chin is trying to eat my first chin. I mean, I'm just looking at myself, I'm thinking, you know, you're supposed to look back when you're younger and think, man, I wish I still looked that good. But I think, I- I've aged well. <laughs> That's all I can tell you. I mean, I still ain't got much going on, but my goodness, it's a miracle of God. It is an abundant blessing of God that I ever met a woman who would look twice at me. That's what I think looking at that. Well, and I asked her, Brooke, have you seen these pictures? She's like, yeah. I said, what's wrong with my face? And she's like, what do you mean? So like, well, what in the world did you see in me? Hey Amen. It's, it's, it's funny. We laugh about it. But the truth is, when I think about God, and how that He wants to be close to me, I think, why? Why? What is there in me that would cause Him to come to where I was and say, come here, I, I want to bless you. Come here, I want to save you. I want you to live forever with me in heaven. Why? Why would he choose to save me? 
Why would He give His only begotten Son to save me, to save you? The intimacy that He desires, that He would say, draw nigh unto God, and He will draw nigh unto you. In the book of James, how that He said, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Why? So that whosoever believed in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Where? With Him. He's going to return, and when He does, He said, we'll be called up together to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Why? I don't get it. He just, it's a call. He, he wants to be close to you. It's a call of intimacy. It's a call of <clears throat> for immortality. He says it like this. Incline your ear and come unto me. He says this, hear and your soul shall live. Now we talked about this some recently, about that death there in Ephesians chapter 2, that first part, how that we were dead in sins, right? Dead in trespasses and sins. Ye were dead in trespasses and sins. Hath he quickened together with Christ? For by grace you're saved, right? We were dead in sins. Dead. D-E-A-D. Dead in sins. When? Look here. I'm almost done. We were born that way. Every one of you. From the youngest to the oldest, we were born with a seed of sin. And until the Lord comes and, and, and draws us and we are saved, we stay dead. So what does that really mean? Well, it means a lot. But when the Lord said this in this verse, if you'll hear, your soul shall live. Here's what he's talking about. I told you before, that, that delight of the soul, that soul, it's that inner thing. We talked about that emptiness that's inside of man where he is seeking for satisfaction. That thing inside of us that has something missing, that's our soul. It's that eternal part of you. Here's the truth. Braden, every human being ever conceived has a soul. That soul is eternal. What does that mean? It will never be destroyed. Not really. It will persist throughout eternity. But not every soul will live. Are y'all listening? Not every soul will live. The Bible says this in the book of Revelation, in chapter number 2, verse number 11. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. He that overcometh shall not be hurt of the second death. Do y'all see that? Second death. Now we all know what the first death is. That's what we deal with. When a loved one passes away, when this body lays down, that is the first death. When our physical body stops, it's death. It's a point when a man wants to die. But we will all face that moment eventually one day. We don't know when it'll be, but it will be for us. Outside of the return of the Lord Jesus in the rapture, that is coming for all of us, right? What is that second death? Revelation chapter 20, verse number 14. Look at this. And death, well, that's the first thing I told you about, that laying down of the body, and hell, and we know what that is, were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. Revelation chapter 21, verse 8. But the fearful and unbelieving, the abominable murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Here is the call from the Lord for immortality. He says this, Here your soul shall live. What does that mean? If an individual comes to the Lord and receives the gift of salvation, their soul comes to life. Right? They're quickened together with Christ. Now, it existed and it persisted in a state of death. Dead in trespasses and sins. But when we get saved and the Lord moves in, He brings life with Him. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. That's Him. And we become alive, quickened together with Christ. And when we do that, we don't just become alive, but we become immortal. Our soul will not just persist, but it will now live forever. 
So what's the difference? Here's the difference. Every soul will persist throughout eternity. Some will live eternally in heaven. Are you all listening? Some will live eternally in heaven with God, with the Lord Jesus, and every other Christian who's been saved. All others will die eternally in the second death. There will come a moment when God will take hell, all those in it, death, all those who have died and never had a living soul, and He will place them into a place called the lake that burneth with fire and with brimstone. So why is the Lord calling? Because hell is real. And even worse, if we think about hell like it's the big bad, it's not. The lake of fire is. Think about it. There'll be a moment where every lost soul that ever died will be taken out of hell for a moment. In that moment, the Bible calls the great white throne judgment. They will stand before God, and God will declare unto them all their works, whether they believed on the Son of God and were saved, truly saved, not, yeah, I went to church, yeah, I joined the church, yeah, I was, I was in Sunday school, yeah, no, but they, they, they bowed their heart to God, they received grace, they received salvation through faith, and they got saved and became alive and became a new creature. That happened to them, or if it did not. And every one of those who's pulled out of hell, it did not. And then, after taken out of the torment, they will then be thrust into an even greater torment where they will remain never-ending forever. Here's the truth. Coming to God, getting saved, is wonderful. There is bread. There are blessings, abundant. There is an immortality that we get to live forever in our soul, in heaven with Christ and there's a moment of eternal bliss coming for us up ahead. The blessed hope. The hope of glory. Christ in us. And all those things are wonderful. But for those who refuse the call, they choose rather damnation. And it's real. Just as real as the blessings of God is the wrath of God. The wrath of God is on the children of disobedience. That's what Ephesians said. The children of disobedience will one day be thrust into the eternal wrath of God, and that is the lake of fire, which is the second death. It is a call for <clears throat> intimacy. It is a call for immortality because our soul will persist, and it is a call for inheritance. In the last part of that verse, he says this, I will make an everlasting covenant with you, even the sure mercies of David. What does that mean? God is calling you. Children, young people, adults, heaven is a real place. And if you will come to God, He will give you an eternal living life inside of you through salvation when you are resurrected, quickened together with Christ, who were dead in trespasses and sins, and you will get to go to heaven and be a part of the sure blessings of David. Or you can reject the gift of God. You can continue to try and buy those things that will not fill you. It's not bread. You can continue to spend all your time on those things that will not satisfy you. And instead, one day, Rather than living as a co-inheritor with Christ, like we read about there in Romans chapter 8, how that as many are led by the Spirit of God, they're the sons of God. He said, you've not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father, that we are now a part of the family of God, right? That we have been adopted and we are now co-inheritors. We are now part of that inheritance of Christ. We are joint heirs with Christ, the Bible says. We can be that and have all that good, or... Jesus can just keep knocking. And you can never let him out. You can play through life and never do real business with God. One day, you'll stand before God. 
Because every one of us will. I will, and you will. My children will. Every one of us. The only defense that we will have for our sins is this. Jesus. That's it. Either I have accepted the gift of salvation. Jesus paid it all, all to Him I owe. Or, I didn't. And that's it. There won't be a presenting of the prosecutor, a presenting of the defense, a deliberation of the jury. No. There is only one whom the Bible calls the righteous judge. And on that day, he'll make a judgment. And that judgment will be this. Either, come on in, thou good and faithful servant, or depart from me, ye that work iniquity. I never knew you. Not once did I ever know you. And this morning, as I look around, like I said, most of you are saved individuals. But let me ask you a serious question. Are you sure? Children, young people, are you sure? It's important. It's important to be sure. In fact, it's the most important thing there is to be sure about. Now, I'm not trying to talk you out of your salvation at all. If you're saved, hallelujah. How are you spending all your time? How are you spending all your money? What are you eating? How's your diet? Are you getting those good things from God? Or are you filling your life up with those things that are evil or neither good nor evil? And you have no appetite for the things of God. Christian, is the Lord, is He calling out to you and saying, why are you, why are you wasting what you've got on things that won't do you any good? Sinner, if you've never been saved, let me tell you something. Death is sure. It just is. It's a part of life. Every one of us, young and old, will one day face that day. And just as sure as death is, so is eternity sure. You will either enter into the blessings of David, which is Christ in you, the Son of David, or you will enter into the wrath of God and the second death. Where do you stand this morning? Let's all stand. Thank you again for listening to the Calvary Road Baptist Church podcast. If you would like to learn more about our church in Shepherdsville, Kentucky, you can find the link to our website in the show notes to www.calvaryroadbaptistchurch.com. We're so thankful that you've taken the time to listen to today's sermon, and we hope that the Lord will use it to edify you in the faith. If you'd like to help spread the word about this podcast, you can do so by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts or by telling a friend. Thank you again, and have a blessed day in the Lord. Thank you.